You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the fabulous Feinstein's 54 Below. Before we get started this evening, just a polite reminder, please take this moment to silence your cell phones. Also, there is no flash photography, please. Welcome to the Fine Science 54 Below podcast. I'm Nella Vera, the club's director of marketing. And today's guest is an amazing performer who was the star of Broadway's On Your Feet, Mauricio Martinez. Mauricio was most recently seen in Paper Mill Playhouse's production of Unmasked, the music of Andrew Lloyd Webber. He also played it Emilio Estefan on Broadway in the musical On Your Feet, a role that he also took on for the national tour of the show. He is a Mexican star of theater, music, and television, and an international Emmy winner for the TV show El Vato, which runs on NBC, Universal, and Netflix, and was a household name in Latin America before crossing over to Broadway, having starred as the leading man in the Mexican productions of Disney's Beauty and the Beast, Saturday Night Fever, Jesus Christ Superstar, The Drowsy Chaperone, Sweet Charity, and many, many more. On March 3rd, he returns to Feinstein's 54 Below to take the audience on a musical journey through his multifaceted career, love life, and more. Mauricio, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, my dear Nella. <laughs> You're reading my resume. I just aged 20 years in like a minute. <laughs> <laughs> We're so excited to have you back. I'm so excited to be back. Feinstein's 54 Below is my home. I literally consider it my home, not only because I literally live very, very close, but it's the place where I feel the most comfortable performing here in New York. You guys have treated me really, really well. And yeah, I love I love performing there. And it's very exciting to be back, especially after this couple of years that have been uncertain and trying and we couldn't be performing to a live audience. So it's beautiful to be able to be back. It's really, really wonderful. Yeah. So tell us, how did you spend the past two years? Guys, I know that you worked Boy. a little bit here and there. and Yeah, it was definitely hard. I mean, like most of us that do live performing, it was definitely the industry that was hit the most, I think, because we were the ones who had to shut down before anything, anyone else. And then we were probably the last ones to come back. So we saw everybody go back to their jobs and all the while we were still waiting to be able to perform. I did virtual concerts. I did virtual master classes. I also did a couple of audiobooks. I have entered into that in Spanish. Oh, wow. And uh, just try to stay busy and sane and healthy. Luckily, I never got to this day, knock on wood, I never got COVID and I've been trying to stay as healthy as possible, being very cautious. I was lucky enough to be invited to Goodspeed Opera House later in the fall of last year to review their beautiful, charming review of Rodgers and Hammerstein called Our Grand Night for Singing. And it was nice to be away a little bit in the country and be in such an iconic theater. And uh, I've been back 
since December here in the city, working on new projects, recording an album, and working on this concert. And um, very excited, very excited to to be back. Yeah, it sounds like it. Have you learned anything about yourself or the world in the past two years? Ooh, yeah, I mean, I think... I've always known that I'm resilient. You know, I'm a four-time cancer survivor. I'm an openly gay man who was outed by a tabloid in Mexico years what? ago and had to, deal, had to deal with all that. Oh, my and God. I've always had a very <laughs> intense life. So I roll with the punches, and I, I definitely knew that I was strong, but also struggled. I've been very open about struggling with mental health and everything. I think during this pandemic, I just really, really valued life more and connections, my connections with people, because... Not being able to see my mother, not being able to travel to Mexico or Spain, where part of my family is, not being able to hug people, not being able to sing to people, to perform live. I really did value that. I learned that I'm very fortunate and I'm doing what I love. New York, man, I mean, we went through it and we're strong, we're resilient and we're here. It was very interesting. It was a very, very, very trying time, but we made it. We're here. It looks like things are calming down as, as far as the pandemic. So hopefully it'll remain like that. But yeah, I think I learned a lot about people. Yes, I think creativity. I saw a lot of friends and peers reinvent themselves. I saw a lot of people venture into other careers. I saw people move to other places, to other cities. Yeah. I stayed here because this is the city where I've always wanted to live. I just got here basically four years ago after the tour, three and a half years ago. So after this pandemic hit, I decided to stay. I said, this is where I chose to be and this is my home and I'm going to make it my home and I'm going to make it work. I firmly believe that if life throws you lemons, I not only make lemonade, but I make a margarita. You know? so. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> so, so I, I made many, many margaritas during the pandemic. <laughs> well, you're definitely resilient. Absolutely. And hopefully you can continue to stay resilient and also avoid COVID. <laughs> I know. Avoid COVID and avoid, yes. Any I avoided it too, and... which I don't know how. Because everyone we're like, around it's like me. walking on landmines. I know, right? We're very few now, I think, <laughs> because of all the variants. Yeah. Whether you got it the first strain or the Delta or the Omicron, or it's like, oi. <laughs> like Jewish people say here, oi vey. And Mexicans, we say, I weigh, you know? <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> I've been saying that a lot. How did you start performing? I started at a very young age because my mom is a huge fan of movie musicals, old Hollywood musicals, and she would play me all these films when I was growing up, Singing in the Rain, The Sound of Music, Hello Dolly, Oklahoma, Carousel, Grease. So I just fell in love with movie musicals, not knowing, being from Mexico and growing up in Mexico, that most of these films were adapted from the stage and that those theaters were in a place called Broadway, and that Broadway was a place in New York. I would always see, only see New York in movies. So as a teenager, I started to take voice lessons. I started to hang with my tribe. I found my tribe, people that, friends of mine that were also performers that also took singing and acting. And so I fell in love with that community and I took it more seriously. I really wanted to do this for a living. I didn't know how, but I just knew that I was going to do it somehow. And I never really wanted to do 
Growing up in Mexico, of course, we have the culture of telenovelas and uh, pop stars and stuff. That was attractive to me, but not as exciting as listening to a musical record, mm -hmm. you know, to The Phantom of the Opera or yeah. Jekyll and Hyde. I remember listening to Jekyll and Hyde, the first recording. Even before it came to Broadway, there was a concept album that I had my hands on, and it was a cassette, and I would play it over and over and over. I would just obsess with Anthony Warlow was the name of the singer. And oh, I yeah. just, it just blew my mind. And I mean, Terrence Mann as the Beast and Beauty and the Beast, Adelaide Miz, Phantom, I just fell in love with it. And I started discovering videos here and there. I mean, this is before the internet. I'm 43 years old. I was born in 1978. So this is my teenage years. I was basically, this is like 1996, five. Yeah. So internet was just starting, but not quite. It wasn't as it is today. So it was very hard to get a hold of Broadway videos because they didn't exist. I remember watching VHS of behind the scenes of Miss Saigon, how they created it, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I just fell in love with all those videos. And I said, I want to be there. I want to be in New York. Mm -hmm. And When I turned 18, I looked for a school here and I applied. I came to New York, I auditioned and I got accepted and my life changed. It was the first time I came to New York when I came to audition for the school and I just knew I belonged here and I knew that this was my place. And interestingly enough, when I flew to New York and I booked uh, one night to, in a hotel to stay here for audition, this is 1997. I stayed at the Ameritania Hotel that is like literally next to 54 below. Oh, wow. So it's like this street is home to me, definitely. So I think we attract things in our minds and our hearts. And yeah, it came into fruition. But I started like that, basically mimicking John Travolta in Greece and Saturday Night <laughs> Fever and Gene Kelly. And yeah, I, of course, my mom is a huge Barbra Streisand fan, a huge Frank Sinatra fan. So I combined both cultures, you know, I would listen to all the American great recording artists, but I would also listen to the Mexican superstars, great torch singers like Jose Jose, Juan Gabriel, mm. Spanish music too. So I was very influenced with both cultures. And that's why I think at a very young age, I was designing in a way the repertoire that I was gonna sing as an adult. And that's how it all started. And it just continued until I told my parents, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to be a performer for the rest of my life. This is what I want to do. It's a marriage. It's a relationship. <laughs> but I don't believe in divorcing my career. You know? <laughs> that's so, yeah, that's how it started. That's great. That's amazing. Speaking of Jekyll and Hyde, you and I went to see Linda Etter together at oh my 54 God, Below. Yes. And we were dying. Wow. She... I was dying. I oh. had never seen her live. What a voice. I remember vividly going to see her in Jekyll and Hyde. That's the only time I had seen her. I had never seen her in a concert. But I didn't even know who she was back then. This is 1998 when I first got here to New York. And I remember watching her and listening to her voice and thinking, she sounds just like Barbara Streisand. You know, I was like, she sounds so much like Barbara Streisand. And I just became obsessed. I bought all her albums. I became... <laughs> a huge fan but of course as life would have it i had to move back to mexico so i pretty much lost touch with her and i would just every now and then get an album or something and just play it over and over so now that i'm back in new york <laughs> and i get a chance to witness people like her uh, yeah. play 
on the same stage where I'm performing now. It's like, isn't that great? Yeah, it's like a pinch me moment, you know. <laughs> it's it's that teenager is smiling. You saw me. I was right there with you. I was in tears. I was oh. moved. I was excited. What an instrument! What a storyteller! What a beautiful, beautiful voice! And yeah, Billy Stritch also, who's a dear friend of mine, was playing with her, and it was a wonderful night. But I kept thinking, wow! In three weeks, I'm performing here. And that's what I love about working there is that we have people like Linda who are enormous stars and these legendary performers. And then we have well-known performers like you and other people who are starring on Broadway. But then we also have an unknown young singer-songwriter who's writing a musical and they come and they perform it. And that's amazing. And you think this person is going to be a star. Right. I love that about 54 Below. I love that. I love that. And so you never know what you're going to see, but it's always fantastic and interesting. And one of the things that always strikes me is how much talent is in New York. Because on Mm -hmm. any night when you are sitting at 54 Below, there are people on the stage that you are like, who are these people? And where do they come from? And they're amazing. Where do they come from? And you just remind (laughs) yourself that so many talented people just flock to New York to try to make their Broadway it's, dreams come true. It's incredible. Being in this city is just ridiculous. The amount of talent that there is musically, acting-wise, dancing-wise, of course, in the entertainment world. But I even think I would extend it as far as any other industry. I think New York is where the most talented people come to strive for perfection and to strive for excellence. And like the song says, I mean, it's not a cliche. It's true. If you can make it, here you can make it anywhere and this is where the united nations is this is where wall street is this is where the fashion industry is really really publishing also yeah it's publishing you know broadway theater museums like it's a great 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 town and people that move here are very courageous because it's also a tough town you know a lot of competition yeah it's a lot lot of competition and it's a tough town we do have those four stations of the weather <laughs> like this and this we have winter we have fall we have summer and we have spring it's not an easy city to live but it's also beautiful i enjoy it thoroughly and the talent is just out of this world talking about forming the band that's going to be with me in my show my musical director brian nash who's an amazing pianist an amazing amazing musician he called four extraordinary musicians And just listening to them on the first rehearsal without even, they're just looking at the page for the very first time and they start playing it, either the cello or the bass or the drums or the, and it sounds as if they have been rehearsing for two months and playing it forever. It's exquisite to witness that. My drummer, Jerome Jennings, is the head of the jazz department at Juilliard. Getting the chance to play with people like that, that are at that level, Mm -hmm. is wild to me. And you only get that in New York. You only get that in New York. You know that if you're in New York and you get musicians, you get singers, you get actors, they are going to be the best, the most hardworking people in showbiz. Gloria Estefan would always say that when she would come to see the show on Broadway or even on the tour. I got to see her a lot, a lot, a lot. And she would say, New Yorkers, man, Broadway folk, they are the hardest working people in showbiz. I don't know how you guys do it. I couldn't do that. 
mean, and we're talking about an icon, you know, yeah. <laughs> that, who also has worked hard for what she has. Yes, very, very hard. <laughs> well, tell us about working on on your feet. What was that like? And what are Gloria and Emilio like in real life? Oh, they're the best. Of course, they're icons, but I've been fortunate enough to see them in many, many different scenarios of their lives. You know, I've seen them as parents. I've seen them as bosses. I've seen them as restaurant owners, but I've also seen them on the road traveling with us. I've been next to Emilio in his studio watching him be like an engineer in his board, in his soundboard, or walking through the streets of Miami or in Washington at the Library of Congress with like Supreme Justice Sonia Sotomayor. And they treat everyone the same. My friend Ana Villafañe, who was at the White House with them, with On Your Feet before I joined, she said, they treat the president the same way they treat whoever opens the door at the restaurant where they're going to eat or whoever, I don't know, sells them a bottle of water in a deli. And that's what's amazing about them, that they're the humblest. You see them and you talk to them and they make you feel like they've known you forever. And they're very supportive. They're funny, just humble. I think the word that defines them the most is humble. They're humble, humble, humble. And you can see the love that they have for each other. Just being close to them has been amazing. Even to this day, I mean, I've stopped performing in On Your Feet almost three years ago. And to this day, if I text them, they'll get right, right away. Like in a matter of seconds, not even a minute goes by and they respond. They, they're always wondering how I am, how can they help? I mean, they're just beautiful, beautiful people. And to be able to tell their story was an honor. I couldn't have had a better Broadway debut because I think it was the fusion of my both worlds, both the Latin music world that I belong to and thanks to the career that I've had in Mexico and the telenovelas and TV and film and all that, like the crowd of Univision and Telemundo, let's say. Mm -hmm. And they got married to my Anglo-American Broadway theatrical world that I always wanted to belong to. So it was the perfect marriage of both worlds. So it was astounding. Sometimes I had to pinch myself and I, I thought to myself, it's almost like they wrote the show for me, you know, the role of Emilio specifically. I I had, I mean, Alex Dinlaris, who wrote the script, is an Academy Award winner for Birdman. He gave the character of Emilio such beautiful lines to say. Mm -hmm. I remember this beautiful monologue that the character of Emilio has in the record label here in New York when they're trying to cross over from Spanish into English. And the A&R, the artistic director of the label, which is Sony, basically, and this really happened, tells them, you're never going to cross over. Stick to Spanish. You're a hit in Spanish. You just stick to that because you're never going to cross over. Never. And finally, Gloria pushes and says, well, it's in our contract. And he says, well, okay, you want to cross over, lose the drums, change your last name, change this, change that, change that. And Emilio just stands up and storms to him and just like a roller coaster, he starts a passionate monologue about his upbringing, about Cuba, about how dare he suggest to that I change my name, you know, change mm -hmm. my name. It's not my it's not my name. It's my father's name. It's my grandfather's name. Mm -hmm. And at the very Love end, it. I ended with pointing to my face and saying, this is what an American looks like. And the audience would just oh, I remember explode. that moment. Oh, so yeah, good. It was, it was amazing, you know. So, so to get to say those lines 
every night as a Mexican immigrant in the U.S. during a time where there was an administration that was uh, hard on my, people from my country and it wasn't mm. as easy for us for a while and it was controversial and it was just so empowering. It was beautiful to say those lines, those words. And I was going, literally going through my green card process as I toured the country. Yeah. So I not only got to do it, say those words here in New York, but I got to say them in Miami, in San Francisco, in Los Angeles, in Boston, San Francisco, everywhere. It was amazing. What was it Chicago, like it was to take the show and the role to theaters across the country? It's, I had never toured with a musical. It's not easy. It's hard. It's a hard job to do, especially being the lead, because you have to do press you have mm. to do lots of interviews, plus you have to travel, plus you have to take care of your instrument, plus there's rehearsals, plus eight shows a week. It's a tough job, but it was amazing to see the country, to see places that I never could have imagined that I was going to see, you know, the Kennedy Center performing in Washington at the Kennedy Center was one of my favorite, one of my highlights. And just get to travel and get to experience the United States telling this story was beautiful. I got to play in beautiful theaters. I remember one in Philadelphia called the Academy of Music. Mm -hmm. I remember losing concentration. I lost, like I said a word wrong or something because I was focused on just how beautiful the house mm -hmm. was, the theater. I got to play at the Pantages in LA. Oh, it's Chicago, huge. the Cadillac Theater. It was, that's I mean, yes. Yeah, and the, right, and the Fabulous Fox. Oh we my played God. in St. Louis, the Fabulous Fox. And that's like almost 4,000 people, I think. It was fantastic. And getting to go to all the TV stations over there with all the TV networks and everything and, and getting to really know this country as I worked in this show was really, really beautiful. And yeah, I did it for a year. It was a lot, but it was beautiful. I couldn't have chosen a better show to tour with than this one. Yeah. Oh, such a great you know? show, too. I loved, I saw it a few times, of course, but good, it just good, good. was, it was just so wonderful. And the music, you realize what a genius songwriters they are yes. when yes. it is in a catalog like that, back to back, aside from going to their concert, it just reminded you because I hadn't been to one of their concerts in years in years right we went you know when I was in high school and right before a lot of the hits half of the hits but when they're presented in that way and you just realize oh my god yeah and a depth. lot of people didn't know what to expect a lot of people didn't think the show was going to be that deep really because on your feet really touches a lot of deep Oh, yeah. Uh, subject matters. People thought that they were just going to go see basically a jukebox musical and just sing, come on, shake your body, baby, do that conga, you know? Yeah. But which they left the still. theater, <laughs> which is great, of course, of course, and it's beautiful. And it's a, a very important part of the show, of course. But they were moved, touched, inspired. They would like, <laughs> they had tears in their eyes because it's really emotional. It's an emotional roller coaster, what they go through. And it's the epitome of the American dream. And we got to have members of the original Miami Sound Machine oh. with us playing night after night. What? And I got to tour with them. Oh, I mean, that goodness. was, yeah, it Incredible. was, I think of those things right now, years later, and I go, wow, that was like, wow, I'm very, very, very fortunate to have been a part of such an important show. And especially for Latinos, it was the show 
the first show in Broadway history that only had one non-Latino in the cast. The rest were all Latinos. And that was, how can you top that, you know? Oh, incredible. When you're a defender like myself of representation and Latin pride, yeah, it was literally like going to a party every night. I loved it because it also, much like their work, which crossed over and appealed to yes. a lot of people, the show appealed to people who had never thought about going to Broadway. And I went and I took friends who would never go to Broadway for any reason, but they were like, a musical about Gloria Stefan? Yeah, well, we're going. Right. And it was right. just to see that every night that I went to just see people who really didn't look like people who go to Broadway every night. And yeah. it was very raucous because I think people just are Broadway audiences behave a certain way. And then people who aren't used to being in a the theater, but in a wonderful way, like a supportive way, uh, we're yes. having a party and we're still paying attention to you, but we're having such a good time. And my friend took her mother. And this is so funny. Talk about not knowing anything about Broadway. She was having the best time. And at one point she turns to Maria and she says, I love it. How did they get Gloria to do this every night? <laughs> she, <laughs> she thought was like, she was watching the real Gloria. <laughs> she was like, mom, that's not Gloria. I mean, that's granted, actress. the actress looked and sounded. She was astounding, yes. Anna. But but it was hilarious because, you know, that's to the level that they don't know anything about the theater. That was somebody who just exactly. thought they were seeing Gloria. And I'm like, she was she's in Miami in her, in her house <laughs> she's also not 25 anymore even though she right. looks fantastic and probably could do it you know? but it was just yeah, it was does. pretty funny that somebody thought that she was in it every night this episode is brought to you by Shopify do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS you need Shopify for retail from accepting payments to managing inventory Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tell me about how being an immigrant has affected or informed your work. Oh, well, that's who I am. You know, I think that's why this show was so important to me. And it really taught me how to be proud of my heritage and where I come from and really wear that flag or all my flags, you know, because I represent a lot of flags. But specifically talking about being a Latino, of course, that's who I am and I got to embrace it. And I don't really, the thing about Latinos is you really don't realize that you're proud of being a Latino until you leave your country and you're in another country and they see you as somebody different. Because in Mexico, we're all the same. We're all Mexicans. We don't go around telling everybody, hey, I'm a Latino, you know, we're just living our life and talking in Spanish and that's life. But when you have to come to another country and you learn another language and you're 
in a different world, literally. And that's where your heritage kicks in. And that's because that's who you are. That is your core. That is literally like your backbone. So I wear it very, very proud. I am very proud of being Mexican, of being a Latino, of being a gay Mexican, openly gay man in New York. And it's a wonderful time to be a Latino right now. The representation that I see on Broadway, on film, on television, on music, it's, I mean, we still have work to do, obviously, we always have, but I remember when I moved here and I came to audition for like 1997 to come to school, there was no Latinos on Broadway. There was maybe one. I remember one in Jacqueline Hyde who was in the ensemble. And I remember him vividly because he was the only one. And that was it. That was it. And then maybe years later, I discovered Sara Ramirez. This is before Lin-Manuel, before In the Heights, before we could only do West Side Story, Evita, and Man of La Mancha. That was it. Mm -hmm. Now we have shows written by us, for us, and aimed for us. Yeah. And performed by us. It has changed a lot. And it's a beautiful time to be a Latino. And I surround myself with Latin excellence. I'm blessed to have Jaime Lozano, who's my best friend. We're both from Monterrey. We've grown up together here in the city, and we understand what it means to be away from home and creating a new home away from home and calling it home mm -hmm. and learning a language that's not yours, but making it yours and telling stories and telling immigrant stories. Yeah. Well, he's an amazing composer for if anybody who's yes. listening who doesn't know. And he's, and he's, he's one joining of my you. guests. Yeah, he's yes, joining he's you on joining stage. me on Thursday, and we're going to be doing a couple of his songs, two songs to be specific, from Great. two musicals that he's written, he's composed. One of them is the show that started it all. It's called Children of Salt, and I did it in, in Nymph in the summer of 2016. And that's when the casting director for On Your Feet discovered me and invited me to audition for On Your Feet. And the rest is history. Wow, But there's the a beautiful story. song. It does yes. happen. It's like you hear about the old-timey movie stars in Hollywood working as yeah, waitresses. Yeah, I had my Shirley MacLaine moment. <laughs> yeah, but like, see, it does, there's hope. Like, yes, when, of course. When young actors ask for advice, I don't like to give advice about acting because I'm not an actor, but I always say, just do as, like, work. You never know yes. who's going to be at that reading Read and the stage directions yes. if you get asked to read the stage direction. You'll get known as of the friendly course. person by the casting office. Like, you And know. you never know who's on the other side. You never know who's in the audience, who's watching, who's listening. Now with cell phones and cameras, and I mean, they're videoing it and social media. You never know who's going to end up watching your performance, watching your work. And that could get you to open many, many doors. And that's what happened with me doing this show, Children of Salt. We won the Best of Fest at the festival back in 2016. Mm -hmm. And then I came to do On Your Feet. And then I went on tour. And then I came back to New York. And we started to work in another musical. Jaime had been working on it for some years now. And this other show is called Present Perfect. And to answer also what you said about how does being a Latino and an immigrant affect your work, this is the story of an English teacher who is a Hasidic Jewish woman living in New York who is a teacher of ESL, English as a Second Language. And the classroom is filled with immigrants. All of us are immigrants. I play a guy from Peru. 
there's a Japanese actress, there's a Cuban mother, there's an illegal Mexican couple that just crossed the border and are trying to learn English. There's a rap artist from Serbia. There's a Russian mom. It's all, if we're like the United Colors of Benetton, you know, I, yeah. I, I used to joke that like that. And those are the types of stories that really, really hit a chord with me. And I can really, really understand where they're coming from because that's who I am. Jaime understands that in a beautiful way, the way he writes music. He always brings his Mexicanness with him and his Norteño-ness with him because we're both from a specific part of Mexico, which is Monterrey in the north of Mexico. And that's where Selena became famous first. And then she crossed over to Mexico City mm -hmm. and became a star. But so we listen to a lot of cumbia, a lot of Norteño music, and Jaime implements that in his work. He uses the accordion. He uses instruments that we use back home and he combines them with mariachi, which is, of course, a very, very specific Mexican sound. But he also blends in the musical theater and the jazz, because he loves jazz too. So it's a very interesting blend. And that's what an immigrant does. We're all blends of fascinating cultures. In the marketing business, it, it's called search and reapply. I call it copy-paste in a way, but <laughs> it's copying and making it your own. You know, you take what helps you, what inspires you, what touches you, what stays with you, and you make it your own. And that's what an immigrant does because we're navigating a new world, making it our own. And not only just making it our own, but also changing and adding to the culture that we've been brought into, which is- Of course. Know, and I love that, seeing the, the influences being far from home, but without changing our name, without changing our accent, without being who we are and embracing yeah. that. I've tried to do that in my work. I try to do that in my music and my concerts and the stories that I try to tell. I'm working on a new project right now, also another one with Ken Davenport based on the life of Joey Mangano. It's a, a beautiful musical that's developing. I'm going to be singing a song from that show too oh, great. in the concert. And the character that I play is a real man who exists to this day. He's still alive. His name is Tony. And in the movie, Joy, that Jennifer Lawrence starred in with Robert De Niro, the character is played by Edgar Ramirez, the Venezuelan oh, actor, yeah, of course. who's a wonderful, Love one him. of my favorite actors. Mm -hmm. And the character is Latino. And I'm doing another reading of a new show called Everyone Comes to Elaine's, based on the famous restaurant Elaine's in the Upper East Side. And we're doing a Mary Testa and a, and a great cast. And my character's name is called Bobby Garcia. And he's a Latin immigrant, too. So these are the types of roles that I want to originate, too, because they are like me. They are like me. And I think it's very important to keep telling those stories and to have an authentic Latino actor play those characters, originate those roles, mm -hmm. and open the doors to all the actors that are going to come and play it after whoever originates it, that hopefully it'll be me, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, but I think it's opening the doors. I think a very important characteristic of Latinos is that we really do help each other. We do encounter family. I mean, you know it. You are one of us. And we do help each other. We're our family. We always try to speak Spanish when we recognize our mm -hmm. last names. Yeah. And we always talk about our food or our music. <laughs> and we always wear it with a lot of pride in our hearts. And we stick together <laughs> and we recommend each other to people. And we invite you over to our house. And it's a fiesta, you know, and we 
we share our food and we, we put a place on the table and you're one of us. That's that's what Latinos do. You know, you know we went, my boyfriend and I went to Mexico over the pandemic. Uh-huh. And when I moved here from Peru, I had to shorten my name because in kindergarten, nobody could say my full name, Marianela. Right. And Marianela. So, so I became Nella. Nella. And that's fine. Five-year-olds right. also can't say 10 syllables or five syllables, 10, <laughs> right. ten letter names. But we were in Mexico. We were outside of Cancun. And every time I went somewhere and they would call my name, they would say my name because, you know, you have to give your passport. Marianela. And I, my head spun around so many times. I was like, I love Mexico so much. Like, this is the first time in my life after decades that I've heard my name said right other than my mother when she was alive. And it just was so incredible. I was like, wow, they speak my language. And it wasn't hard for them to say. They just read it. Like here in the States, when they read my name, they're like, Marianne. Marianella, Maria, Marion. They're like, it's so much. And it was, that's so, it was so funny, but he also. It's so true. I mean, you're preaching to the choir. I mean, Mauricio is not <laughs> right. a very easy name to say when you're born and raised in the U.S., or England, or Eng- any other English-speaking country, they call me Maurizio, Mauricio, Mauricio, never Mao. So my nickname is is Mao, basically. That's short for Mauricio. And that's easy. So yeah. I always tell people, just call me Mao. And that's fine. You know, that's what my loved ones call me anyway, Mao. And that's short for Mauricio. But yes, I understand Funny. completely. Whenever I listen to my name pronounced correctly, I immediately go, hablas español, eres Latino, you're Latino or Spanish, and yes. It's funny, my boyfriend's (laughs) always making fun of me because when I read things and I see something in Spanish, I just say it, and he's like, why, you know, he's always like laughing, he's like, why are you saying it that way? I'm like, because that's the way it's supposed to be said. Right, of (laughs) course. I'm not like putting on airs, like if I read Mexico, I read Mexico, like I don't- Mexico, of course. I don't read Mexico in my head because that's my- first language is Spanish. So when I see a word, that's how I read it. And then I want to say it that way. I don't know how to say it another way. But it's so interesting. Is there a part? Now we know we've heard about all the this lovely parts that you've played before. But is there a part that's on your bucket list that you hope to play? Yeah, I mean, there are a few, of course, of shows that are still running. I would love, this is a dream of mine, but it's also my mom's dream. I want, and I would love to make it a reality just so I could see her face. And I know that she would be really the happiest woman on earth. She loves the Phantom of the Opera. Oh my loves. God. Like she comes, every time she comes to New York to see me on a show or whatever, I always tell her, choose a show or two. And I'll like, of course, I'll invite you and buy you a ticket. And she always chooses the Phantom, <laughs> always. And I'm like, mom, you know, there's other shows out there. And she's always like, no, but I, I love El Fantasma. And as soon as she comes out with every single possible merchandise you can imagine, and she looks at me always and says, I can't wait for you to be the Phantom. You know? oh, we have to make it happen, please. Andrew, so, Lloyd Webber. Yeah. Well, he know, he know, I told him actually, <laughs> I worked with him on mass at Paper Mill Playhouse. And I worked with all his team and the musical director and, and they know me and they're aware. I told them like, there hasn't been a Latino phantom on Broadway. 
It's time. I think it's time. And I was talking to my dear Norm Lewis, who I adore, and he's also oh, he's an best. inspiration of mine because he's amazing. And he was the first African-American phantom, and he told me, well, we got to make it happen because there has to be a Latino phantom, and, okay, and you're the one. So it, it has hopefully to be. I'll be the one. It has to happen, <laughs> and we've got to visualize it, and we've got to make it come true here. Yes. So, yeah. And I think there's another show that I would love to do. I think Billy Flynn is a good oh, character. Oh, wonderful, yeah. Uh, because he's so debonair. My friend Jaime Camille played it, and he's Mexican, and I love him. But there has been many Latinos who have played it. Mm -hmm. But I just love that character, and I think it suits my voice. It's it's my yeah. type, and yeah, that's that's a, a role that I, I oh, like that's to been play. Fun. I've loved seeing so many different yeah. types do Billy. I just saw right. He's so fun. It's it's so, so fun. fun. Yeah, I saw the most recent one I saw was Paulo Jot, and yeah, that was Paolo so Jot. fun. I saw him too. too. So, I yeah. saw him at the very sh a special show they did for uh, Ana Villafaña was there, Oh, yes. Uh, oh, she was great. For the Hispanic Heritage Month. Mm -hmm. And it yeah. was great. Yeah, that was, was such great. a fun show. Oh, good. So, yeah, those two roles, I think. There's another one, too, I would also breaking the mold in a way. I would love to be King George. Because it yes. suits my... Everybody asks me all the time about Hamilton. And, of course, it's a beautiful show, and I love it. But the character that I relate to, just musically and, like, my humor, I go... It's King George, you know, and I think it would be very interesting to have a Mexican play King George. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. All right. I haven't been in for any of these. So, well, it's got to happen. We'll make it happen. Yeah. I see you as the Phantom already, and I'm already picturing my ball gown for your opening night. So it has there to you happen. Go. Well, I do sing one of the <laughs> Phantom songs, but of the sequel of Love Never Dies. Mm. I do Till I Hear You Sing mm. in this new concert, and it's one of my favorite Phantom songs. It's such a beautiful song. Yeah. So, yeah, I do... I do sing a little Phantom. Oh, good, yeah. good. So you're recording an album. Tell us yes. about it. I am. I'm very happy and excited with Robbie Rosella with Broadway Records. Lots of the songs that I'm actually performing in my concert on March 3rd are part of my album. I do some Adele, some Whitney, mm. some Barbara. Of course, I do musicals. I do some Man of La Mancha. I do a song by Gloria. I'm just excited because it's my crossover album. You know, I have two previous albums that were done in Spanish, but this is going to be my first English spoken album. And that's just fascinating to me. And since it's Broadway Records, we do want to record it on our Broadway because that's what brought me here. And that's my first love. So, yeah, I'm very excited about it. We have great musicians. We're selecting the final tracks in oh, these great. next weeks. And I think the musicians are going to start working on it in March. And I'll probably be laying vocals around April or May. We're aiming for a summer release. I mean, it's 2022 for sure. Oh, good. So we're excited. And hopefully we'll have the release party at 54 Yes, it has summer. to happen yes. here. Absolutely. <laughs> so we yes. are looking forward to your show. So you're, you have Jaime playing with you, and also yes. you have another special guest. Eden, yes. Eden my Espinosa. Dear Eden Espinosa, mm -hmm. who is one of my favorite Broadway singers oh, ever. She's incredible. I mean, she can sing. And we had a beautiful opportunity with Jaime. Jaime actually brought us together, and we sang, but not together. We were part of the same concert, but there was no duets. So she had her songs, I had my songs, oh, in my hometown in Monterrey. Okay. So 
we were talking backstage and we said we should have sung a duet, but, but there was no time for rehearsal or anything. So now that I was planning this show, I called her up and I said, would you like to sing a song with me or two? We're going to do a medley of those two songs by Jaime, the two love ballads of both shows. And she said, yes. So it's an honor. She's also a Latina and we think very similar. She's a dear friend. I respect her enormously. And she's a great artist, but most important, she's a good human. She has mm -hmm. a good heart. And that's the most attractive thing about somebody like Eden. She is a big Broadway star. She is a great artist, but she's a wonderful human, a human with a heart of gold. So I'm very honored that she said yes. And what better way to collaborate than with Jaime? Jaime's mm -hmm. going to be playing the piano and yeah. Eden and I are going to be singing. Fantastic. So it's going to be a special moment in the show. Well, we're so looking forward to your show. Mauricio's show plays on Thursday, March 3rd at 7 p.m. Tickets are available at 54below.com. And the show is also streaming live. So anybody across the globe can see it as well. And information about that is also at 54below.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're really, really looking forward to your show. And good luck with the album. Can't wait to hear that. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone at 54 Below for always making me feel at home. I'll see you on March 3rd at 7 p.m. You've been listening to the Feinstein's 54 Below podcast, part of the Broadway Podcast Network. Subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.